0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley-Wright from the logo. Oh, got it. Oh, McKinley-Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today we're talking about football. We had been talking a lot about basketball recently because that's, you know, the sport that's in season. And, uh, you know, I was going to say a lot of exciting things are happening, but actually they've lost two games in a row. Um, Real quick, for those who haven't paid attention... Basketball team is 6-3, and three, coming off of two pretty tough games uh, against ranked teams. UCLA is in the top 10. Tennessee is just outside the top 10. Dropped both. It sucks. But now you're in a situation where there are three games against pff, mediocre at best opponents. You could probably say most of them are pretty bad. Um, Eastern Washington and uh, is it Marquette? No, it's Milwaukee. And then uh, CSU Bakersfield. So you got to win those three, especially after dropping the other two. Then you've got Kansas at home, and then you've got Pac-12 play. So getting three wins in these three games is going to be crucial. Um, there you go. There's that update. In terms of the women's side, the women were able to get into the top 25 this week. Um, real quickly, they're undefeated. I think they're 9-0. And uh, their, their one game last week was a win over Dixie State. Now, as you probably could imagine, Dixie State... Not a power in the women's basketball world. In fact, in the first net rankings, uh, they were they were 15th from the bottom, I believe, out of about 350 basketball teams. So again, not the most impressive win, and it was a one-game week, and that was a home game, um, but a couple teams lost, and that made room for the Buffs to get into the top 25, right there at 25, making it in by one vote. Um, the reason that they haven't been ranked, by the way, It's just because they have a super weak non-conference schedule, which is totally the right move. Um, When you're scheduling games for the men's team, you know you want to have Tennessee on that schedule. You want to have Kansas on that schedule. Because even if you lose, it's not going to hurt you that much because you're playing tough opponents. Um, And even playing them close might be worth more than beating up on a bad team in some occasions. On the women's side, the Pac-12 is just dominant. Um, There's so many good teams that you don't have to worry about getting yourself good resume-boosting games in the non-conference schedule because you're just going to have so many of those games during conference play. What you really need is just to get wins. Typically, the Pac-12 is going to get at least half of its teams into the women's, I guess I get to call March Madness now. Um, But in order to qualify, you have to be at least 500 and the buffs recently have hovered right around that number um, 12 and 11 last year 16 and 14 before that 12 and 18 15 and 16 17 and 16 um, you got to get wins because you're going to get the the strength of schedule boosters for most of the season when you're playing in the Pac12 uh, so to this point i think half i think 6 of the Pac12 teams are better than Any team that Colorado has played so far in these debut net rankings that came out on Sunday, I think, or through Sunday's games. Um, Every team in the Pac-12 is better than Colorado's second best opponent. So... Again, the the real tests are yet to come still though. When you're going 9 and 0, I think they only had one close game. It might even be only one game that was within double digits and that was the game against Air Force, which is one of the better teams. I think they're like number 99 in net which makes them the second best team that Colorado's played. Um it's there's really nothing to complain about. And they've checked all the boxes. They've been consistent. They've won just about every game by double digits. And uh, they've got a few games left before they get into Pac-12 play. Again, this is take care of business time of year. Pac-12 play is make something happen. You're going to have to steal some wins against some really, really good teams. Um, Last year they had that win over number one Stanford. that was just incredible. They almost got him the other game too. Um, So, again, top 25, they deserve it. They deserve to be in the top 25. They've checked all the boxes. They... uh, have been trending up in the last few years we just ran through those records now it's time just to keep winning games I think they're in a similar spot three games left maybe non-conference wise you win all those you probably wind up number 21 or so in the country and then you really get to see what you've got and every one of those Pac-12 wins that's what could really move them up quickly you know, if you if you open Pac-12 play 2-0, and all of a sudden those are probably your two best wins without looking at the schedule yet. And that's where you could just see an immediate jump from 21 to 10, honestly. Um, so, there we go. There's the update on the basketball side. And women actually play Tuesday at 6. I want to say I shouldn't have committed to saying a time. Um, that's against Southern Utah. Again, Big Sky team. You should be able to beat them, but you got to go do it if that's the way you're going to schedule. And it's the right way to schedule. Um, I love what J.R. Payne has done. Um, there we go. Football, though, because that's what I want to do today. Honestly, I didn't prepare because it's, it feels like it's been a week since we talked about football. And I'm just kind of backed up with thoughts. And so we're just going to run through all of those. Um Carl Durrell out there recruiting, still no offensive coordinator. Um, I think seven transfers so far um, out out for the Buffs, nobody in yet. Um, So so we're just going to run through kind of state of the program because it's been about a week. There's been so much basketball and other stuff to talk about. Uh, That's the plan for today. Might as well just dig in. Why not? All right. So um, let's start with these transfers. Seven of them so far. You, uh, you've you got some big names in there. Levante Chenault, uh, Ashad Clayton. Um, you've also got, you know, Zephaniah, Maya, Trustin Oliver, Chris Carpenter, Keith Miller, and the most recent, Jaden Simon. Seven transfers. A few weeks ago, we kind of talked through this. I think it was around the time Levante transferred. And I said that in my dream world, the Buffs see. 12 transfers. Um, I think 10 to 12 is probably the range that you're looking for. You know, this is kind of a tough... It's always it's always like a bittersweet thing, right? When somebody transfers, because it means somebody wants to leave the Colorado Buffaloes program, which is never something you like to hear. But at the same time, it means you're opening up a scholarship, and this is probably somebody who didn't provide all that much, and they want another opportunity. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of things like, you know, Oregon has the game against Utah in the PAC 12 championship and they, they might not make it in if they win to the college football playoff, but if they do win, there's a decent chance that they're going to the college football playoff. And we all know that the PAC 12 getting teams into the college football playoff is a great thing for the PAC 12. Also bus fans hate seeing Oregon happy. And I can't blame them for that. You know, it's similar to the NCAA tournament where Pac-12 just goes last year and lights up the rest of the conferences, the most successful by far. And you see it and you're like, oh, yeah, this is incredible. But then in each individual game, it's, oh, no, UCLA, Final Four, really? This, uh, not them. And, and so you do have that mixed bag of emotions. And it's kind of the same thing here where I think we all know that you need to have some turnover on this roster. You know, you don't look at what happened last year and say, that's a team that I want to stick together. Just just, just run it back with those guys. Um, and the reason is because they were pretty unsuccessful and they were lacking depth. And a lot of these players are those depth players. Um, again, it's always going to suck to see somebody say, ah, I don't want to be at CU anymore. Because it's not like the greatest look. But it just needs to happen. You need turnover because you need scholarships to use in the portal. Um, well, well, let's just run through who has left. You know, we talked a lot about Levante Chenault when that happened. I don't think anybody sees that as like a sky is falling type of situation. Um, it sucks that things didn't work out, and that is undeniable. But when you know that Levante is on such thin ice and he hasn't been able to follow through with all of the program rules, and to be honest, I mean, the the DUI or DWI. I don't think we know if it was alcohol or another substance. Um not that it matters. You still can't do it. You're still going to get suspended. You're still going to have legal consequences. You know, you see that and you're like, "Okay, that one, that one's a rough one." Failing to appear in court for another charge it's you don't it's bad, but it's also not I don't know. It's not as bad as the other one. Then some of the other stuff are more rules violations type of things. Again, with a little bit more knowledge of the situation, they aren't things that I think are just egregious, oh, no, whatever. But when you're breaking all the rules and the rules are there in place and you know that you're very clearly on your last legs, you know, this last suspension was for what, seven games? I think seven games wound up being the number you're you're one slip-up away from just being done. And who knows, maybe he had that slip-up because we found out about this when he just didn't show up for a game. And he's somebody who, if he's going to the transfer portal, it would be very, very useful to have every possible game on tape. And so I don't know that there was a final slip-up and this was actually the team's call. And to be honest, it doesn't matter because we know what the situation was. We know that Levante is incredibly talented. I think most of us had doubts that he would ever find a way to stay on the field for a significant amount of time. I think it's probably best for both sides, especially because, you know, the the legal stuff, that's something that every school is going to keep in mind when it comes time to dole out another round of punishment if that happens. But some of these other punishments or rules violations; those aren't going to transfer over, and he does get a little bit of a clean slate in that way. And I think that for him, obviously, it makes sense, especially when you factor in there. The passing game in uh, Boulder is not necessarily uh, what it what it was a few years ago. Um, on Colorado side, yeah, you never like to lose a talented player, but even with Keith Miller also leaving and Chris Carpenter, I guess maybe you now have it down to the number you'd like. I think that when you run through what this roster at wide receiver looks like now, you know, Brendan Rice at the top, Dimitri Stanley, um, Chase Penry and Ty Robinson, you've got Daniel Arias who made some plays this year, was the best receiver in games this season. Um, You'll get Jalen Jackson and Maurice Bell back from injury. Um, I thought maybe maybe that is I thought there was one more who am I forgetting? Oh, Montana Lamonius Craig. How could I forget about him? Uh but but there's there's just so much young talent there that losing Chris Carpenter who I think is going to be a good player. He's a good little slot receiver. I mean, I think he's blocked probably by Chase Penry. You know, Keith Miller didn't get on the field in his two years in Boulder. Didn't I don't know that he dressed once. And it sucks because he's big-bodied and, and you like the thought of what he could be. But wouldn't you rather just start fresh with a new receiver, use this scholarship on recruit? Or, you know, just go to the portal and grab a lineman instead with that scholarship? Whatever. Use it on a tight end or something. I, I think that you probably now have it down to about the number you'd like. If you lose another receiver, um, you just don't want to be another one of the young guys. You know, if if you lose a, um, a Daniel Arias, a Maurice Bell, a Jalen Jackson, you're definitely sad to see him go. They've they've all done stuff for the buffs. You know, Daniel Arias, I'm not sure if he wound up being the all-time leader in forced fair catches, but I know with like two, three games to go, he only needed one more to have the most forced fair catches in Colorado history. Now, you when you recruit a guy, you're hoping that he's going to be known for catching the ball and making plays offensively, but you still got something out of him. And I think that if he comes back at the very least, he is a very good special teams player. And he did develop a little bit this year's receiver, a Jalen Jackson with that speed. You'd be excited to see what he could do if he gets a healthy season, but we haven't seen the healthy season. Uh, Maurice bell. He, he was putting some things together um, late in the 2020 season before missing this season with an injury again, You would love to see these guys stick around, but also knowing the situation, it's really not the end of the world if you lose one or two of them. Um, So that's where I'm at there. Um, The other big name that transfers out is Ashad Clayton. This is a controversial one. Um, I know that there's people who are really upset to see him go. And, you know, if you had asked me a year ago and said, you know, Deshaun Clayton's going to transfer a year from now. How's that going to make you feel? I'd be like, yeah, that 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 sucks. That sucks. But again, he wasn't able to to find his way onto the field. And there's a bunch of ways to look at that. You know, if if you assume total competence from the coaching staff, again, that's a that's probably pretty bold at this point, given what we saw this year. Then the coaching staff is putting the best players on the field, and Ashawn Clayton just was never one of the best three or four running backs on this team. Again, you have to have some faith in the coaching staff to to think that way um, and how much faith you need to feel that way. It's not the maximum amount, but I don't know. There, there's some gray area there for sure. Still, though, on paper, you've got Jarek Broussard for two more seasons. You've got another year of Alex though. You've got two more years of Deion Smith, You've got three years of Joe Davis who decided he wanted to redshirt this season and get a little bit bigger. We've barely seen Jaylee stacks, so you can't count on too much there. But you know that Carl really likes that style of player, that that fullback utility type of guy who can run powerfully but also catch some passes out of the backfield. Um, you've also got Victor Venn coming in as... Is he your top-rated recruit? He might be your top-rated recruit, in this class if not he's top three um, And so you look at that and say Yeah a is Very talented and he had a great High school career But He never Popped all that much And you can even go back and look You know his yards per carry I think he, he Might have been third This year um, But he was fourth last year again In limited touches Whatever, but even Dion Smith, even these other guys, just if you look purely at the numbers, were outperforming him, and I think the margins are slim, um, and I don't, I mean, Jaron Mangum transferred out, and we were all just fine seeing Jaron leave. Um, there weren't many people saying, oh, this one's really going to sting because we knew that he was part of a really crowded room. We knew that you have Jarek Broussard um, with Alex Fontenot coming back with these young guys we've talked about. We did expect more from a shot Clayton, but Jaron transfers to USF and lights it up. He had a great season. The difference in opponents for USF and Colorado, it is notable. And I don't want to like take away from Jaron Mangum's accomplishments but that is just the truth. I think you're going to see a shot Clayton go somewhere where he just knows he's going to be the guy. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Tulane. That's the one I'm gonna throw out there. Is Tulane is where I really think that he's going to wind up. I think that he's gonna be decent there. But, you know, I can't You could you could fault the bus for their development, I guess, from turning him into a good running back. That is also on them. Um but again, without knowing behind the scenes, it's tough to make too many claims like that. The other thing about Ashad that really stands out is so so he had like the minor little knee scope um halfway through the season, and we talked to Darian Hagan, hey Hagen, wow, I've said that weird um around that time, and one of the things that he said that stuck with me, and i've since uh, since Ashad transferred, I look back to find the exact quote. What he said was, Shot is one of those guys who needs to feel like he's 100% to go out there and produce. And, you know, it was just kind of a statement in passing. But it is something that I will be thinking about. Because running backs get beat up. And if you're not able to play through some of that, it's just not going to work out for you. You know, that's football. Um, So there's just one more little piece right there. So where do I rank? On like the one to ten, how disappointed am I that um, Ashad Clayton transferred? I'll throw like a two out there for a Levante Chenault because we all know the the whole situation with Ashad. I'll say I'm like a five or six. You know, I still held out hope that it could work out for him. At the same time, there have been other players who have simply played better, and you know that's how college football works. Just because the recruiting rankings say that whatever is whatever and whatever, it's about who can actually play football. And Ashad just didn't show that. You know, I got some comments saying things like, this coaching staff should know that if you don't play a highly recruited player, he's going to transfer somewhere else. It's like, yeah, I think they do know that. And I just don't think that that's going to change them from playing the best player because I don't think that they're too worried about losing a shot Clayton. Um, again, I don't know for sure, but just based on what we've seen from him, I wouldn't be surprised if this coaching staff is kind of secretly celebrating the shot is gone because they get that extra scholarship to play with and they have their running back for right now. They've got two years of Jarek Broussard who didn't have his best season this year, but we all know there were so many flaws and he's, he's your guy. And if you can't make it work with Jarek, then it's nothing is going to work. Um, sure. He, he does need a little bit of a hole, but I mean, he was breaking some tackles in the backfield too and making guys look silly. Um, and you combine that with Dion Smith kind of growing up a little bit, um, with Joe Davis out there next year, who was in front of Dion on the depth chart for the off season. Um, Look good at times, but again, chose to redshirt because he just wanted a year to get bigger. Um, Another year of Alex Fontenot. And then you've got Victor Venn in the waiting. You've got Jaylee Lee Stacks, who maybe he's ready to take a step. And you've always got the portal. So many running backs in the portal. That's one of the places where I think you can always find somebody. So if you're just looking at this, would you rather have um, Ashad Clayton next year or would you rather have... Some new freshman who could just break out when it's his time two years from now. I think that makes more sense just because, you know, Ashad, he has three years of eligibility and Jarek has two. And you'll like the idea of the Thunder and Lightning. He just never showed it. So there we go. Those are some thoughts there. Um, What else do we have in here? I mean, those are the big names, right? At the same time, you know, Tristan Oliver, he transfers. He was not on the field all that much this season. You know, Trevor Woods was playing over him. Um, You had uh, Tyron Taylor switch from corner to safety, and he actually got a start at safety. You have Mark Perry growing up. I think that Tristan Oliver, who's a Juco guy, he, first of all, just doesn't have all that much time left. Um, and I think that it makes sense for him to probably move on. I mean, if you're behind younger players on the depth chart, it, it, that's just a pretty bleak picture, right? So does it suck that things didn't pan out with Trust and Oliver? Yeah, But do you also have some good young safeties there? You do. And I think that instead of a trust in Oliver, if you can go find some safety with one year remaining in eligibility, again, that kind of fits the timeline better, right? That way you have the flexibility to to leave some of these younger guys on the bench. Even though, you know, they did show Isaiah Lewis didn't start that game so that Tyron Taylor could. You know, that's just a fact. And so if you look at that and say Tyron Taylor pretty even with Isaiah Lewis on the depth chart, you've got Trevor Woods who is getting a lot of reps too, probably I think kind of seen as on that same level. You've got Mark Perry who I think is seen as a a half step ahead. If I'm trying to bolster my safeties room, I'm not trying to find a guy who is also a young guy who can kind of be at that same level. I'm... I'm, I'm finding a, somebody with one year left who can be an impact player in, in any way, really. Like, if, if he's a free safety, if he's a strong safety, if he's a box type of guy, if he's going to play that star position for him, um, even a, a dime linebacker, you can make the case for. But if you can just find one veteran to put back there, somebody who has some experience, um, just so that... You know, next year you're probably just splitting the reps between Trevor Woods and Tyron Taylor instead of just having both of them out there on the field. You probably feel better about it. And Tristan Oliver wasn't that guy. He could always take a jump. He could always pass them on the depth chart in camp or whatever or two years from now. But, again, give me the scholarship there. See if you can find one of those guys. And if not, again, add another lineman. Um, Zephaniah Maya. Uh, inside linebacker, I uh, I liked him. I did. But again, if, if you're just losing one guy at that spot, you're not too worried about it. And again, he's somebody who we just didn't see all that much in his true freshman year. Um, so it's tough to get a real evaluation. But what we do know is you got Robert Barnes back. Jack Lamb played quite a bit late in the season. He has two years of eligibility left. Um, then you've got Quinn Perry. You've got... Uh, Uh, Marvin Hamm, Uh, you've got uh, Mr. Williams. And then after all those guys, you've got Zephaniah Maya, And that's why if you're Zephaniah, you say, huh, two of these guys go on the field, maybe even say three of them because there's passing situations, running situations, whatever. That leaves at least three players between me and getting to see the field. And that means I'm not playing next year. And potentially not the year after that either, unless I really, really make some plays in practice. You can't blame the guy for wanting to go. Again, if you're the buffs, you say, eh, we we have the depth we need at that position. We we're we can either add another young guy, we can hold off on doing that, use this scholarship elsewhere, and then recruit another linebacker next year, whatever. Um but I don't know. Point is you just you don't miss these guys all that much. And then I don't want to be mean at all, but the Buffs have really lost one contributor so far. And that's Levante Chenault. And we all know what Levante Chenault's issues are, and he it it makes him a net neutral for the team at best, right? Because he's just not trustworthy at this point and you hope that that changes for him and you hope that all these guys find a way to be contributing football players and have success in their careers and all that kind of stuff but yeah I, I don't think that you know we go back to what I said a few weeks ago Levante Chenault leaves and I say I think the number is you want 10 to 12 transfers what you don't want is for it to be any of your 10 or 12 best players you know, you you don't want to lose Jarek. You don't want to lose um, Brendan Rice. You don't want to lose Christian Gonzalez. You don't want to lose... Um, I guess you throw Makai Blackman in there for sure. Um, at this point, just because you're so young at safety, Mark Perry would create a bit of a hole. Um, you know, you can't afford to lose one of those edge rushers, but you saw so much from Guy Thomas that you don't really want to lose him. Um, you look at the defensive line, um, I, mean, I guess we didn't talk about Jaden Simon transferring, but you've got Janaz Jordan back and Terrence Lang so far sounds like he's back. Jalen Sami, um, Naeem Rodman should be back. Um, so again, you're, you're still maybe lacking a little bit of depth there. Um, and that may be Jaden Simon might sting more than the others, but again, he did, he hasn't played all that much and he wasn't like a highly rated recruit or anything like that. Again, not that that really matters, but um you know I guess maybe that's where you look you don't want to lose a Terrence Lang or a Jalen Sami um offensively I guess you really don't want to lose offensive linemen starting linemen just because you don't have a lot of you're already trying to find as many as you can um but you look around the roster and there's only a handful, couple handfuls of guys who would really sting to see go to the portal. And so far, the Buffs have avoided that. And that's kind of what it's all about this time of year while also racking some up. And, you know, we're going to talk about this in a second. But I think the real... There's going to be another wave of transfers um, that, that, that comes here in a couple weeks, I believe. Um, real quick, though, Breckenridge Brewery. I had a bunch of Brackenridge beers this weekend because I love them. Um, what did I have? Well, I had one of those hard seltzers, the Good Company hard seltzers. It was the Mountain Blackberry, or no, Mountain Berry one on the tailgate, which was really good as always. Um, again, you just can't go wrong. So many options that keep coming out with more. The Christmas ale this time of year is the go-to if you show up with one of those kegs of the Christmas ale people will love you there's like a mini keg not a full-on keg Um, but bring that to your Christmas party whatever it's just good stuff and if if you do pick up some Breckenridge beers make sure you let us know and let them know too Um, we like to see that you guys are supporting them Uh, they like to see it too and uh, we really appreciate it because they make a lot of what we do possible and the more that we can support them the more that they'll support us so there we go um, also, DraftKings Sportsbook There's a lot of money to be made on these bowl games um, It's uh, it's always a challenge Because the teams are so different And sometimes teams just like don't show up Or they don't travel well, whatever On top of that, you have the transfer portal And you have guys opting out of these bowl games So teams change so much to me, I see that and say there is a lot of value on this board. Um, There's a lot of teams that are... I mean, just lines are going to be skewed because of the way that it all works. Um, I'm excited about that. But right now, just make some money real quick on these NFL games. If you bet $1 on any team to score, then you can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 4700 All right, here's why I really do think that there's another wave of transfers on the way. Um, Again, I don't think that this is necessarily a bad thing, um, but I do think that it is a thing that is absolutely happening. So, Colorado has made one coaching change. Well, they've honestly made half a coaching change. They got rid of Darren Cheverini, their offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach. Used to be the recruiting coordinator as well. Um, but but hasn't been in that role for a couple of seasons. Um, again, we've, we've mostly covered the thoughts about getting rid of him. The thought is you just can't have an offense that bad and keep your job as an offensive coordinator. Um, on top of that, a lot of it really was his fault, and, and that's it was pretty clear for a lot of the season what was going to happen there, and that's what happened. We still haven't seen the Buffs replace him, though. And this is going to be the big hire for Carl Durrell. This is maybe not going to define his career at Boulder, but it is, I think, going to decide whether he gets to another season, two more seasons um, after 2022. Um, we've talked about why Carl's safe. He His contract is fully guaranteed. I believe, what, so eight? No, nine? Nine of the Pac-12 schools are public universities. And the reason that matters is because public universities have to release any information, basically, that people want. And people request the contracts for their coaches. Um, So out of those nine, four, including Carl Durrell, are on fully guaranteed contracts. What that means is you sign Carl, what was it, a five-year deal worth... 18 million. I think that's right. No, maybe it was 20 million. I think it was 20 million. Um, You have to pay him that whole $20 million regardless. So people talk about a buyout. Some contracts have buyouts in them. Others are, I mean, technically I guess you call it a buyout, but the buyout value is just whatever is remaining. Um, So I've seen some people even say like it's there's, 14 million dollars left in his buyout and it's like well actually that would be 14 million dollars if you fired him on like january 1st of 2021 you've already paid him most of that year the point is you just have to keep giving him his checks every two years um, regardless of whether he's coaching for you or not except for the fact that if he does get fired then he does have to look for employment and any money that he makes From his new job will be subtracted from the money that Colorado owes him um so that's what's up there and again it's a big number and I don't think they wanted to fire him anyway um but we're talking a lot about contracts recently and I don't know that I've run through all those numbers on here um like I said it's about half of the Pac-12 contracts that we can see work that way um You've also got, what, Jed Fish is 65%. um, Mario Cristobal was 50%. Chip Kelly had a weird one. He had a five-year $20 million contract, but there was a flat rate $9 million buyout at any point in the first four years. In the final year, they can fire him without paying any of it. Um, So that's not really a percentage. But that date is like January 15th, so they could hold off. Um, so there we go. I can't remember why I thought that was important, but I did. Um, now though, I do think that this, oh, I remember because this year really does define his future. I think that he is on the hot seat, obviously firing him with two years left on his contract means you have to pay him about $8 million to not coach for you. That'd be the case if they fired him after next season. Um, I, I don't think that that would really come into play. I think that if Rick George wanted to go another direction, he would be willing to pay that instead of saying, ah, we can save $4 million if we just wait until next year. Um, but who knows? Um, I sure don't. Um, that's kind of where we stand. I think that if Colorado wins four games next year, Carl's probably done. I think if they go to a bowl game, I think Carl's probably safe. If they win five games, I uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but we'll get a feel for it if it happens next year as the season progresses. Um, but that's where I see Carl's situation. And that's why I think getting a good offensive coordinator is going to be crucial to him surviving next year, potentially surviving the year after that. And, um, again, if you do that, your offensive coordinator is probably leaving for a job somewhere else. Um, but that's kind of the next step for Carl. And that's why this is such a big hire. I have heard rumblings and sorts of things that make me think that this decision will be made before December 15th. I don't think that should come as a huge surprise. That's the early signing day. And I think they want to have that sense of security for the recruits. Um, At the same time, though, I also think that a lot of the news on the rest of the coaching staff has, it's yet to come. I think that if you look at the situation and say, Darren Cheverini has gone and that's the only one who's gone, I think you're missing out on some key pieces of information. Um, The big one is that offensively, your coordinator is going to want to make a lot of choices about who his staff is. And I think that those decisions are going to be say 40% the new coordinator, 45% Carl Durrell and 5% Rick George. Um, And so you want to give the offense coordinator some say, so you're not going to go through and say, ah, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone, especially because there isn't a lot of pressure on Colorado to move quickly in those positions right now. Um, Chris Wilson is under contract for two more years, the defensive coordinator, defensive line coach. Um, Mark Smith, the inside linebackers coach, is under contract for one more year. Um, and then you've got the tight ends coach, uh, who Brian Cook, who is uh, under contract for one more year as well. Outside of that, the rest of the assistants, they're... Their contract will be up. I'm not sure exactly what day, but I guess like the end of um, December. And it's up to Carl and whoever else to decide who he wants to bring back and who he wants to replace. I do think that Colorado is going to be willing to dish out some cash here. I don't think that the linebackers coach or tight ends coach is necessarily safe um, if... Carl thinks, or the new offensive coordinator thinks that they can do better. Um, Darren Cheverini was making about six hundred grand a year, and he will have to be paid that six hundred grand next year because he was due that money. That's just the way contract is written. Um, so he'll keep getting his bi-weekly paycheck or however they do it. But similar to Carl's contract, since he was fired, he does have to look for employment somewhere else. And if he gets it, whatever he gets paid is subtracted from the amount that Colorado owes. Um, Also, I read through that contract, and they make it clear that you have to get the market rate. Um, This can't be, you you can't say, oh, yeah, I'll work for you guys for $1 for this year because I'm just going to get the money from them anyway, so it doesn't really matter. To me, Darren Cheverini, where it comes from. No, you have to to get the market rate. or just right about that. So, Darren Cheverini, I don't think is going to be making 600 grand next year because that's obviously low end Power 5 coordinator money. I think that he's probably a Power 5 potentially recruiting director, but then probably wide receivers coach for sure. Um, and he's probably going to wind up more in that 300 grand range. Um So there's a little bit of money out of a budget of about $3.4 million for assistance. At least that's what it's been before the same time. Tyson Summers was fired last year. Contract was the same way owed him his money for this year. And now that's off the books. So those at the very least cancel out and the bus might come out a little bit ahead. Colorado is going to be willing to spend money. I really do believe that. Um, And, I don't know what that means if it bumps up to 4 million, 4.5 million, 3.5 million, but I think that if you were paying 600k for your coordinator before, this is going to be more in that 800k range in my opinion. Um that brings in, you know, uh we had Matt McChesney on to talk about uh all of this. I think it was our conversation 2 weeks ago. Um but the the offensive coordinator at UCLA, you know, he might be poachable. And at the very least, you could probably get him to make more money from UCLA by offering uh, a, a contract. I think right now, I wonder, let me see if I can Google this. What is his um, salary? So, yeah, Justin Fry is making seven hundred grand. If you throw eight hundred grand at him, does he come to Colorado? I don't know. Um, but there's a name right there, and that's about what that 800 grand will do, at least get you in that conversation, see if UCLA matches it or whatever. Um, there might be buyout money, but I do think that there's going to be a willingness to spend money, and I think that after they make this move, which I think probably comes before next Monday based on, or sorry, before next Wednesday based on what I've heard and also just what it looks like, then... Then you kind of figure out the rest from there. Who is the quarterback's coach? Do you bring back Danny Langsdorf, or because it would cost nothing to move on, do you go find somebody else? Um, offensive line coach. You know, do do you spend so much on offensive coordinator that you go the cheaper route and give William Vlajos his first full-time assistant coach job, um, position coach job? I think it's on the table, but I also think that if you throw a bunch of money at somebody you still might be willing to pay for an upgrade there. Um, again, we have to see how this all plays out for sure, but I think that the evaluations of some of the position coaches is yet to come. Or maybe maybe Carl's made his evaluation but wants to give the offensive guys a chance to do theirs. Plus, making those sorts of moves after December 15th when you've already got some guys signed on is a lot easier. Um, you know, if if you all of these position coaches are in recruits houses doing visits and talking to parents and all that kind of stuff. If you send Brett Maxey into somebody's house and then two days before you're trying to sign the kid fire Brett Maxey, the kid's probably going to say, I might hold off and wait to sign until the the February signing day instead. Um, So I do think that a lot of those other changes are yet to come. Um, so, that's my big thought there. Um, anything else I want to get to today? Not really. Um, obviously, this is, like I said, a huge hire for Carl Durrell. I know a lot of people want a recruiting guy in that spot, but I mean, we saw what happened to Darren Cheverini. You know, you just don't have time when you're building this whole offense to be recruiting, and... It makes a lot more sense to let your position coaches who have significantly more time, much, much, much more time on their hands. If you're looking for recruiting guys, you go right there. Um, Your offensive coordinator, as we saw this season, can really, really cause problems if you go the recruiting route instead of just the who can call plays and build an offense route. I know that the recruiting isn't in great shape, It's, I mean, again, I've shared my thoughts uh, in the past. You look at this year's team. You know, we talked about Trevor Woods. We talked about Tyron Taylor. Those are Carl Durell recruits. That's his first recruiting class. Uh, You throw Nico Reed in there, who played really well, and all of a sudden you've got a defensive backfield of of the future that looks really good based only what we've seen from these kids in their first season. Um, That's not to say everything is perfect, but don't let's it's it's football it's not who wins the popularity contest and if you get guys who can develop especially where colorado is right now that can be every bit as important as recruiting um so yeah i i I, recruiting is always going to matter but You you have 12 guys on staff and two of them... or Sorry, 10 guys on staff. Two of them have basically no time to recruit anyway. And the best way that they can recruit is by saying, come play in this offense, which is really good. We saw what happened when you went the recruiting route at coordinator before with Darren Cheverini. The offense was not well run and Darren didn't really bring in any good recruits anyway. So... Yeah. Um... Those are my thoughts there. We'll see what happens. Just get somebody who knows football. And I don't know, I'm torn in a bunch of different directions. I mean, if you can bring in Joe Brady, obviously that'd be incredible. Um, He doesn't really fit into Carl Durrell's way of thinking. You know, he comes from a different coaching tree. But I don't think that that's necessarily a deal breaker. You know, Carl, the the Buffs didn't really run Carl Durell's offense last year. That was the Darren Cheverini offense. And Carl is very willing to let his coordinator dictate those sorts of things. I think that there's some advantages to having two different schools of thought when it comes to offensive football. I think there's some advantages from to having very similar schools of thought and similar backgrounds um, because you can really build that identity. I don't know. And I think that whoever this winds up being is going to be somebody pretty off the radar because that's just the way they play it. That's what we saw during the coaching searches for head coaches. I don't know. It's also worth noting that, you know, you bring in Darren Cheverini, who has a very different offensive philosophy, comes from a very different coaching tree. That also wasn't necessarily like a guy who Carl Durrell sought out and said this is who I want it's like okay okay I see why I see that he's a good recruiter I see that he's a but whatever um big decision coming and I think that I think that we're within a week if I'm being honest so we'll stay tuned to that we'll stay tuned to the recruiting stuff um yeah it's big time big time um Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with more.